0: Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen and amen. May that uh, be our declaration uh, that uh, as we walk in uh, the midst of this crazy world, And We walk not in our own strength, but in uh, the power of Christ. I'm I'm so grateful that the scripture would teach us that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave uh, dwells within uh, his followers, and and we uh, are called not to uh, simply live our lives for Jesus, but that we... Uh, Might recognize that the life of a Jesus follower is Jesus living his life in and through us. And as we uh, recognize that, it's a beautiful uh, song and a beautiful. Just a reminder, as we walk into the scriptures today, I love uh, what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And, and I want to just remind you this morning that all of our hope is in Jesus. And you students and you adults, the things that uh, we're going to be challenged with from the word of God uh, today, uh, there is absolutely... And by the way, every week, the things that the Word of God challenges us to do, there's absolutely no hope uh, that we could do any of those things in our own strength, but only uh, in the power of Christ in our life. And and we uh, are so grateful for uh, the love that has been extended to us through the cross, and man, it's going to be a great year, so excited for uh, our, our students, as some of them have already uh, walked back into uh, some of our schools, and some will be going back uh, tomorrow. As I think about those things, and, and even on days like today, I am reminded uh, that James knew what he was talking about when he said, Life is but a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And I, I think about, and how could it possibly be uh, that I have a senior and an eighth grader uh, this year? How, how could those, it just seems like time is going so quickly. And, and we're going to lean in this morning and be encouraged uh, to make the most of every opportunity. We're going to be in the book of Colossians, uh, Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, and we're going to be in chapter 4 this morning, and you can take your copy of God's Word and begin to turn there uh, along the way. Uh, I did uh, read where where one mother said, uh, school days can be the happiest days of your life, especially if you have children old enough to attend. Um, now, you homeschool parents, we're we're super grateful uh, for you, and we're so grateful that we have such a a large family of 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 people that are uh, that are investing in in homeschool, and we're super grateful for you, uh, praying for you as you teach and lead uh, your students. Uh, I uh, just am, am grateful for just the diversity of, of people that God has assembled here at Calwee. I heard about a little boy, and it was his first day of kindergarten. I don't know if you've got, anybody got any kindergartners going first day this year, any parents with some, yeah, some kindergarten age students? Well, well, this little boy, he was a kindergarten age student, and he got in uh, school that day, and about midday at lunchtime, the teacher saw that he was distressed. It was a bad day. Uh, he, he goes up, and in the little kindergarten, he's talking to the teacher, and She says, What's wrong, buddy? And he said, I just found out from one of my friends that I got to be in here until I'm 18 years old. (laughs) And the teacher just looked at him and she said, Don't feel so bad, buddy. I'm here till 65. She said, (laughs) So. One little boy went to school, and he was, you know, wondering about how smart his teacher was. And the teacher uh, took advantage of a little moment. He, he was grinning real big, and she could see in his teeth that uh, maybe identify a few things he had had. And she, he said, uh, he was talking to the teacher about, you know, what, if she was, uh, you know, really smart and all those kind of things. Teacher said, well, she said, I, I can tell you even what you ate for breakfast this morning. And little Johnny said, there's no way you could be that smart. She said, I can. And he said, okay, what is it? She said, you had eggs for breakfast this morning, Johnny. Johnny looked at her, and he said, see, I knew you'd have no idea. He said, I had eggs for breakfast yesterday. <laughs> so we've got all kind of kids, all kind of opportunities to, to love on them uh, along the way. And, and, again, just grateful for all of you teachers and for uh, all of you that uh, just are investing in the next generation and su- super grateful to be part of a church. Uh, that invests in the next generation and great 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 week of Vacation Bible School with uh, Kelly and Tom and just their team all all you that volunteered uh, just so grateful had had just incredible conversations throughout the week uh, with so many students and you know as we think about this day that we focus a little bit more on our kids going back to school and on this time of year uh, I'm just reminded that the world that we live in is all over the place you know, it doesn't take us long to look around and just see how broken this world is. It doesn't take long for us to look around and see that there are all kind of things that are coming against the uh, the, the Christian faith that we that we share. There's all kind of things that uh, that our students are facing in the midst of this crazy world. And as I thought about that, my heart continued to stir. Uh, to this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. And, and just to give you a little bit of, of background and just to connect a few things contextually before we jump in, this was a, a young church that was being impacted by the world. Uh, scholars would would agree, uh, most scholars, that the man that planted this church, a man named Epaphras, had seen the impact of some of these things that were happening. And he had gone to see Paul and he had gone uh, to to, uh, to talk to him and to get help and Things like the preeminency of Christ, the sufficiency of Christ; those things were being challenged. Uh, The Scripture would tell us that uh, that these vain philosophies were were coming at this church, and they were in the midst of this. Uh, this world where the, the Roman road system had all of a sudden made the world so much smaller, travel had been e- enabled and there were all kinds of these ideas that were coming uh, at the church. And, and we recognize that today even in a greater way through technology and YouTube and all the things, there, there is a, a raging world of ideas that comes, uh, these vain philosophies, these things that come uh, that came at the church then it was causing shallow uh, rooted believers to be tossed to and from we we see the same kind of things taking place today and as, as we open this text I want to remind you that there is a battle raging for the hearts and minds of our young people there is a, a battle that is raging uh, for the hearts and minds of these children that you saw singing this morning of our students that are in uh, this room and I am convinced that the battle that we wage, that, that it must begin on our knees and it must extend uh, into every place that God has planted us. Paul writes this letter and he gives them an answer to the things that are, are, are going crazy in their world. And the answer is Jesus. He begins uh, to define who Jesus is. And an accurate and biblical view of our Lord and Savior, of the King of kings and Lord of lords, it is the same answer today to the things that, they, uh, that our students are facing. We recognize that, that he is creator and that he is sustainer. Uh, that everything is being held together by his power. This is who Jesus is. And and Paul would encourage them. He would say, don't let anyone take you captive with these vain philosophies, with this empty deceit. And then he would say, this is who you are in Christ. And this is who you are as you walk in Christ. And this is how you are to live in your homes and in your workplaces. And this is the way that you interact as followers of Jesus Christ. This is who you are in him. Now, when you read these kind of things. And when you see all that this church at Colossae was facing and when you recognize all the things that our young people are facing, when you recognize the potential out in the midst of this world, it would have been very tempting, and it would have seemed, in some ways, even appropriate for the Apostle Paul to write to this church at Colossae and say, "Just find a group of believers and, and bunker up and hold up and try to stay away from from everything and everyone." It would be very easy for us to say, "Let's gather in a holy huddle uh, somewhere inside this building and let's protect and guard and, and keep any uh, potential from anyone." But but what we understand is is Paul is going to write begin In verse 2, and he's going to give them a call to prayer and a call to the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. As we, uh, if you were here last week, we talked about how the the church, right, the American church or the modern church in many ways has found itself on defense. And we found ourselves just trying to somehow uh, just survive in the midst of this broken world. But what we understand as we read the words of scriptures is that the church of Jesus Christ has been called and has been created for. For the mission of Christ, to be on the offense and to go into this world with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to live as salt and light in the midst of a broken world, bringing glory to our great God. And and when we think about those things, I want to remind you uh, this morning that our job, uh, here's a a quote from a guy named Shane Pruitt uh, that uh, I loved. And he said this, our job as parents, and, and hear this this morning, if you are a parent or a grandparent, our job as parents is not just To protect our kids from this world in the name of Jesus, but also to prepare our kids to live in this world for the name of Jesus. I I love this thought that it is not the success of these children in the way that they live and walk in the midst of this broken world is not. in in solely how much we can protect them from the lies of this world, but in how much they know the truth, right? And the battle that they're raging against is a battle for the authority of the Word of God. It's a battle uh, for truth, and we live in the midst of a world where everyone is wanting to define truth, but I want you to know that there is one truth, and we find it in the Scriptures, and we find uh, the truth of God's Word has answers for us in the midst of this time, in the midst of the way that we should live, and in the midst of the way that we will impact this world for the glory of Christ. If you'll turn with me to Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 through 6, I think we're going to see ways we can pray and ways uh, that we can live. And and I want to remind you as we read these words that we will only do it in the power of Christ in us. So if you'll stand with me this morning in honor uh, of the reading of the Word of God, we'll read verses 2 through 6. The Scripture says, Devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned. That I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you have uh, called us, Lord, to, uh, to come dependent on you in prayer. And Lord, that then we might walk in obedience, God, as we, uh, as we go out into the midst of this world and proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of your spirit, for those who have trusted and believed in you, Lord, that you might guide us, that you might strengthen us. Lord, that you might give us words to say, Lord, that you might allow us, Lord, as we uh, as we pray and seek your face. God, any time uh, we see people, uh, God, filled with, with your spirit, God, in seeking you in prayer, God, there's a boldness that comes that's not of their own strength, but that comes from Christ in them. God, and we pray, Lord, that we would be a church, God, that would be devoted to prayer in grace greater ways than we have ever been before, Lord, and that we might declare the good news of the gospel in our schools, in our communities, in our homes, and around the world. And God, we trust you for the increase. God, we love you. We praise you. We ask, Father, for your blessing on our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, You may be seated uh, this morning, and I'm going to give you just a target statement real quick that, that sums up this passage. You'll see it on the screen. If you're following along uh, in the app, you'll see it there as well. Uh, but as we read this passage, we're reminded that followers of Christ are to talk to God about people and then talk to people about God while living consistent, godly lives marked by grace and truth. Followers of Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, we are to talk to God about people and then talk to people about God while living consistent, godly lives marked by grace and truth. You know, we see in verse 2 this call to pray intentionally. And we read this passage. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Now it's an interesting word in the original language. When you read this word devote, it's a word that is in the present tense. It's the present active tense and it is uh, this imperative that's given and so what that tells us about this when it's in the present tense it's not simply something that we might do and then we kind of check that off like we've prayed, we've lifted up uh, our voice to the Lord and so we've checked that off and we're done but it's this thought of this continuous devotion, this continuous uh, pursuit of prayer. Many of us would recognize 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 and we would read uh, the Apostle Paul write pray without ceasing and so there's this present picture of this that we are praying continually that we are lifting our voices and in the active tense we understand that this is not something that just happens to us when we see things in the passive tense it's just this something that's being acted out upon us but when we read this call to devotion in prayer it is this reminder that it is something we have to fight for it is something that we have to discipline ourselves toward. Paul would write to young Timothy he would say, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. When we pray we pray intentionally. There is a call that we might uh, recognize the, the power of prayer in our lives. And this command it is an imperative, right? This is not something that is is optional for Jesus followers. This is a command that we have been given. And so when we devote ourselves to prayer when we are willing to rise early and to say, listen, we look around and the times that we live in are desperate. One of the old saints, Vance Havner, would say the times are desperate, but the tragedy is that the saints of God are not. And we recognize that the times that we live in, they are desperate. But instead of our lives being described as devoted, many of our lives would be better described when it comes to prayer as distracted. Barna would tell us in their research that the average person, the average believer spends one minute, in prayer per day. They would tell us also that the average pastor spends five minutes in prayer each day. How would our prayer life be described? What would describe the way that we pray? Samuel Chadwick in a book called The Path of Prayer said this. He said, the one concern... ...of the devil is to keep saints from prayer. Our enemy fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Prayer turns ordinary mortals into men of power. It brings fire, it brings rain, it brings life, it brings God. There is no power like that of prevailing prayer... Amen. How does our prayer life look? You know, over the past several months, since about April, uh, we've been seeing God do uh, just some incredible things in the life of this body of believers. We've seen uh, somewhere between 40 and 50 people take their next step of obedience and baptism. We are continuing to see people uh, saved uh, just regularly. It's becoming uh, just, just a, a, a beautiful thing that God is doing in our midst. And I'm reminded that along about that same time that there was a group of men uh, that began to gather in the midst of town uh, on Thursday afternoons. And we would gather uh, at, across from the tennis courts and a little gazebo there. And we would call uh, on the Lord and just ask him to bless and ask him to move and declare our dependence on him. And I can't help but believe that in the midst of, of those things that God is, is honoring and, and, and working in response to the prayers of his people. I've heard it said this way that God in his sovereignty limits his power to the prayers of his people. I wonder what would be different in this coming week, if God chose to answer all of the prayers of his people in this room that we have prayed last week. What would be different in the life of our kids? What would be different in the life of our church? What would be different in this community? So we, we understand that, that prayer is not something we simply do before we work, but prayer is the work. And God moves. And when God works, everything changes. And we believe that. In our minds many of us would say, "Hey, we believe that, but practically many times we are distracted. Many times the enemy has us believing that because we are so busy, that we are too busy to pray. but I want to encourage you that we are too busy not to pray. God can do more in a moment than we can do with labor and toil all of our lives. And he declared desires. That through our, our prayers and through our prayer life, that we would demonstrate our dependence on Him, and that it would be in obedience to His command. Verse three, Paul says, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open to us a door for the word, that we might speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I also have been imprisoned. Now, isn't it interesting, Paul. Paul prays right here, and he does not pray for for deliverance from the prison. He does not pray uh, that somehow he would be out of that, that somehow he would find those things. Paul had resolved that where he was at was where God uh, had him, and and in those moments, he said, I want you to pray for open doors for the gospel. When we finished the book of of Philippians, at the end of that book, he was greeting them and and, and telling them that all the saints greet them, and he said, especially uh, those of the praetorian garden, so those that were chained to Paul, Paul was praying for them, the apostle Paul was desiring that others would be praying for him that he might know how to speak clearly and boldly the gospel and the word of God and and we see that there are people that are coming to faith in Jesus Christ and many times the, the, the extent of our prayers is simply God remove me from these circumstances but a better prayer might be that God I want you to take these circumstances that I'm in and I know that you're a good father and you know the situation that I'm in but God I pray that you would allow the gospel to go forth from this Place That you would allow, whether it be in a hospital room or whether it be uh, in, in a school room or whether it be wherever God, uh, wherever you might be in those moments in your neighborhood, that our prayer might be that, God, you would use me in your workplace, in your uh, your place of business, that, that God w- would open doors for the gospel to go forth. And I would uh, I would encourage and implore that a prayer for every believer every day, that we might wake up in the morning and we might recognize that there's nothing that we could do apart from Christ, but that we might pray, God. I pray that you would open doors for the gospel to go forth in my life. And you would allow me to see those doors. And in the power of your spirit, God, that you would give me the words to say. And it is a prayer that God will answer. And we need to pray for open doors for our students. These opportunities is what uh, he is desiring in this moment. So we want to pray intentionally. We want to talk to people about God. And then we need to talk. We want to talk to God about people. And then we want to talk to people about God. Verse four, he said that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. So we pray intentionally, right? We, we understand that we have a responsibility in regularly sharing our faith. We have a responsibility to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus. So we pray intentionally, but we don't simply pray intentionally. We also walk wisely. Look at verse five. He says, conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. God calls his followers to walk with integrity, to walk in a wise and winsome way every moment of every day. There is never a time that, that we are not to walk in, in, in Christ. There's never a time that we are to say, you know what, I'll, I'll put on my Sunday morning uh, kind of routine and kind of go through these motions and then I'll live however it is when I get to work or when I get to school or when I'm in the locker room or when I'm in uh, places where there's pressure. That is not the call of the life of a Jesus follower. We are to live different from this world. Uh, I want you to understand that our kids should understand that that there are going to be times where we uh, and, and maybe all times where we're going to stand out and we're going to look different from this world and because of that and the choices that we make and the way that we speak and the way that we live that we may face persecution, that we may face difficult uh, moments along the way. Paul would, would tell Timothy, all those who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. They will face difficulty. It doesn't promise that this road will always be easy, but God promises that he would be with us. And we walk in the midst of this broken world with wisdom toward outsiders. We walk with wisdom toward those that don't know Jesus because here's the truth. People are evaluating who Jesus is. They're evaluating whether they uh, believe that, that, that what we say is true. They're evaluating what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he is like based on what we are like and who we are in the midst of this world. And that's a heavy thought, right? There's a, there's a responsibility that we have to live lives. And we're not going to be perfect. But to live lives that are in passionate pursuit of Christ, that are in and living out of an overflow of time with Him. We talk to God about people. We talk to people about God. And we understand our words matter. Look at verse six. We need to also speak graciously. Right? So we we understand we pray intentionally, right? We walk wisely, but we speak graciously. Verse six, let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. There's never a time that that our words don't matter. There's never a time, whether it be in our homes, whether it be uh, in in our school, whether it be in our workplaces. There's never a time that we are just to be reckless in our speech. There's never a time that that we've got to understand that people are watching. James would write in James chapter 3 that the tongue is a small part of the body, but it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. We see the damage that, uh, that, that just reckless speech can do. We see the damage that it can do to relationships and marriages. And we see the damage that it can do uh, in our schools and to our witness. And so our words matter, but our walk is also so important. And, and the scripture would say, listen, we are, are to allow our speech to be with grace, seasoned with salt, right? So our speech, every one of us, our, our, our speech should be characterized by graciousness. That's seen in the life of believers. There should be something different uh, about the way we communicate. About the kindness that we exhibit. About the way uh, that we love. Seasoned with salt as well. uh, You know in that day they didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have uh, ways that would preserve and prevent decay uh, in the way that we do now. But salt was something that did that. And, And what we see in the life of a believer Right, is this call that wherever we are, that that there might be a a, a gospel witness, that the, the place that we're at, that it might be better because there are people who are following Jesus Christ in the midst of those moments. And we understand that salt, in order for it to affect anything, it has to come in contact with whatever it is to affect, right? And so we see in the life of Jesus, right, that He would speak with grace and with truth. And there would be this kindness and this beauty in the way that He would communicate, but we would also see that He would stand. For truth, when Jesus would encounter the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, right? Jesus would look at her and, and, and he, he told those that had brought her before him. He said, he said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And then he said, woman, where are your accusers? And then Jesus would say, after they had all left, he would say, neither do I condemn you either. But then he would say, go and leave your life Of sin. In John 4, we'd see him engage the woman at the well, right? And we would see him speak with her, and he would tell her, listen, he said, the water that I give, he said, it's a water. He said, if you'll drink of the water that I give, he said, you will never thirst again. But he engaged with this woman. She he, he, he confronted the, the sin that was in her life. He spoke truth in the midst of that, but there was grace. When, when we encounter people, we need to understand and remind them who Jesus is and who we are apart from him, who, who all of us are in our desperate need for a Savior. Listen, this this beautiful picture where we engage with this world. 1 Timothy 4, Paul would write to young Timothy, and he's older than than our students that are going back to school in this time. But he would write to him and say, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Show yourself an example of those who believe. So if you're a student in this room, I just want to ask you, I just want to encourage you, don't wait till you graduate to begin to serve Jesus. Uh, Paul wrote to these young people and he said, be an example among the believers. There's something beautiful. Uh, and, and encouraging when we see young people who are standing for Christ. I got to go out with with our youth this week and to see them engage uh, people with the gospel and, and to share the three circles and to share uh, their faith. It is encouraging and it is, it is something that uh, th- that you have an opportunity to do. You don't need to wait until some other time in your life to be a witness for Christ. The, the greatest mission field that many of you have are, is around you in your schools, in, in your your. Sports teams in all these places, and we have this opportunity to be an example in our salt, right? Whenever you put salt on things, it, it flavors, it's distinctive, it's beautiful. Everything tastes better with some salt on it, right? Amen. Amen. Yeah, some of you are probably not allowed to have it, cause, right? But salt, man, it does. It does beautiful things, right? And, and it creates something. When we eat a bunch of stuff with salt on it, it creates a thirst. It creates a a desire for those things. And and I just want to remind you that the world is watching. And the winsome witness of those who have been changed by Christ to see the life of Jesus, right, being pressed out through his people, it it is something that is beautiful in this world. And the world is desperate to see people who have been changed by Christ and have authentically uh, been born again and are living lives surrendered to Christ. And so many times we can lose sight of the distinction. We can lose sight of that role. George Truett said this. He said, you are either being corrupted or you're salting and there's no middle ground. Either you're being salt and light in the midst of this world or you're being corrupted by those that are around you. And there's no middle ground. We are called, every one of us, to be salt and light to go into this world to live for the glory of his name, to talk to God about people. We need to pray for one another. We need to pray for open doors for the gospel and then be willing to be people who will talk to one another, who will talk to people about our great God and to share his love. I want to close here in in just a moment and give us just an opportunity uh, to pray and to respond uh, to the truth of God's word. Uh, As as we do that, I, I want to I don't want to waste an opportunity where we are gathered uh, to say this, that if there are any of us in this room uh, that have never trusted in Jesus for salvation, that have have never recognized, we've talked about the gospel message this morning, and that gospel message tells us that all of us in our humanity have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect design. and, And as a result of that, we are separated from God and deserving of his wrath. But God in His grace has sent His Son Jesus who died on a cross in our place and has made a way for all of those who would believe and trust in Him to be forgiven and to be restored in relationship to the Father. We're so grateful that Jesus lived the life that we couldn't live, that He lived that sinless life and willingly laid down His life on a cross in our place, taking the punishment for our sins and through His resurrection. He has conquered death and he offers us the gift of eternal life in Christ. And if you're here today and you've never embraced God's gift of salvation, I invite you to turn from your sins and surrender in repentance and, and just surrender to Christ today that, that you might be born again into the family of God. And for those of us who are in Christ, I want to I just challenge the church to pray, whether it's from your seat or from this altar, I want to remind you of what was stated earlier in this message. There is a battle raging for the hearts and minds of our young people. There is a battle raging for your hearts and minds. And this battle begins, and the battle uh, begins in our lives on our knees, in dependence on our great God. And we have an opportunity. Many of you got a prayer card as you came in this morning that has one of our children uh, on that. Uh, You have an opportunity to begin to pray for them this morning. Uh, You have an opportunity to be devoted to prayer and to set time uh, in prayer every day that you might lift them up. That you might pray uh, for boldness in their lives and for open doors. That you might pray uh, that that they might come to faith in Christ if they haven't already uh, done that. But that we might come to God independent, uh, desperate prayer. Because we know that there's a battle raging. And our prayers will declare and demonstrate how concerned we are with this battle. How concerned are we for this next generation? How concerned are we for those lost people that are in our community, (coughs) those people that God has placed in our circle of influence? And many of us have never shared the good news with them. May we begin this morning in prayer. May we begin this morning talking to God about those people that he places on our heart, those people that are in our lives. And may we we be in a place where we say, God, I'm willing to go and share the good news of who you are. I I recognize that that it's my responsibility to share the grace that's been extended to me with others and to, to declare the gospel in this broken world.